In an industry defined by what we create, it's the people who lead that make good things great. This is Get the Knack, a podcast by the National Academy of Construction, where we connect you with insights from experienced industry leaders to develop your skills and expertise and help you achieve your fullest career potential. today's session of Get the Knack. My name is Anna Franz and I'm your host for this session where we will discuss a recipe for leadership success that is part of our leadership topic area. Today you will learn about leadership skills that involve problem solving, continuous and lifelong learning, and emotional intelligence. I've been a member of the National Academy of Construction since 2018 and we are joined today by Jill Titan and Jamie Barapas. Jill is president and CEO of Technically Speaking and is an author, international speaker, and electrical engineer. She spent her career in the electric utility industry and has authored 12 books to date. One coming shortly, another one. Jamie is a transformative senior executive and international consultant, and as a structural engineer with a career in design and construction of major structures, such as the Tappan Zee Bridge in New York with Governor Mario M. Kumo Bridge, one of the largest bridge projects in the United States. I'm very glad that both of you can join us today. So let's get started. First question, when we say problem solving, what does that actually mean in terms of leadership? Thank you, Anna, for the opportunity to be here today. This is Jill Tijan. And what it means is that leaders actually see problems and they are convinced that they have the skills and the knowledge and the ability or that they can find people with the skills, the knowledge and the ability to solve those problems. And they're, they're just completely committed. They have conviction. They are fearless about solving those problems in a wide variety of areas. That's a lot of uh, interesting descriptors. Jamie, from your perspective, do you, can you add to that? Absolutely. And I want to thank you also for the opportunity to speak today. Um, for me, uh, integrity is a big deal in terms of uh, leadership, making decisions based upon self-awareness, beliefs, behaviors, and results. As a leader, you set the tone. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, an example early in my career where it came across my desk that a connection that supported a major bridge structure had insufficient number of bolts on it, and it had just been put into the, to the bridge. And so I went as a young engineer to my supervisor, or actually the engineer who designed it, and said, look, there's a problem here. And he really didn't want to acknowledge that because he was involved in that design. And even though it was safe at that moment in two or five years because of fatigue, because of railroad loading, that capacity would be diminished. So I had to go over his head to a leader of the company who told me, Jamie, we're going to bite the bullet. We're going to go to the client. We're going to do the right thing, even if we have to pay for it ourselves. And we did that. He, he said, OK, I'm going to give a senior person to go with you to meet the client. We met the client. The client was so shocked 
that we were this honest, that we got so much work from this client in the future. Of course, we fixed it. And the contractor on the job also made it so that it wouldn't be too expensive to do the retrofit, to fix it, to make it right. But that leadership example for me as a young engineer just resonated throughout my whole career about integrity, do the right thing, you know, and not try to um, sort of hide something that for public safety as example, how would you, right? But, you know, it was just a great example of um, a leader for me. Right. And, and Jamie is reminding me a problem that I dealt with along the way. And, and it's something that leads me also to persistence. I mean, leaders have to be persistent. They have to solve the problem. And I was working with a co-author on a book and she told me that she had to do an Excel spreadsheet. And she started working on her Excel spreadsheet and she couldn't make it work and she stopped. And I just went, what do you mean you stopped? A leader takes the initiative. A leader makes sure the problem is solved. A leader goes and asks other people how to do it because it isn't an option not to get done, not to succeed in what you're doing. I'm hearing two important words for those that are listening to the podcast today. One should be a capital C on courage and a capital P on persistence. So congratulations to both of you. I know that took a lot of both courage and persistence to, um, to work through those problems. So why do you think leaders need to engage in continuous and lifelong learning? What's important about that? Well, one of the things that I like to talk about is the rapid and continual change in technology. And there are people that will listen to this podcast that won't know what I'm talking about when I use the example of an IBM punch card. <laughs> but an IBM punch card <laughs> was the tool that many of us, I think actually all three of us on this podcast used when we were in college and maybe even in our first job to interact with the computer. The computer wasn't as capable as the smartphones that we have today. One line of computer code went on each an individual card. And so when you think about where we in our careers started and where we are today, if we are not continuously learning, if we are not continually updating our skills, if we are not learning about new technology, if we are not willing. I mean, I had, I had a boss once who said he wasn't going to learn to use the computer. <laughs> this was back, I mean, and, and people can't even imagine that there weren't computers, but there weren't, there weren't laptops. There weren't the techniques that we have today. And I actually said, you know, Jim, you're going to need to learn how to use this computer and I will teach you. And he's still actively consulting in his 80s today because he learned how to use that computer. Well, it's good that you've stayed in touch. And you've probably introduced him to a number of other new technologies as well. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, Jamie, what, what have you, you know, been involved in in terms of continuous learning and what you, you've done to stay on top and at the forward edge? 
Sure. I mean, and God forbid if those you drop the cards and they went out of order. <laughs> then, you, then it was a nightmare to have to put that code in sequence again. But anyway, we, luckily we have the uh, computing power we do today. But with that comes, with that technology comes um, that commitment to continuously learn. And for me, it's it's a challenge to be able to keep up with everything in the rapidly changing environment. I mean, if you just talk about AI, artificial intelligence, and how quickly things are changing and will be changing, it's not even just the technology, it's the technology combined with geopolitical changes, um, our country, we're having so much uh, funding and infrastructure. How do you apply for that grant money? How do you talk to politicians? How does sustainability that finally people understand what that word means? How do we integrate that in a way with all the other work that we do? This is tremendously uh, challenging and we must continually learn because things do change that quickly. Um, I find that we really have to get good at reading from our reliable sources. Um, I attend many conferences. I have a network of subject matter experts that I trust, that if I have questions, I, I know I'm going to the right people to answer those questions, uh, whether they're think tanks or specialists. Um, you also have to question your data these days. Where does it come from? Who's preparing it? So with all that great uh, information in these challenging times, it's really keeping up, keeping up with the information and knowing how to use it, I think is, is really so critical. You know, I think with a young person uh, entering the profession, it's a challenge just to sort of put your skills to work. And then while you're trying to learn on the job, basically, you're, um, and, and overcome challenges there, you're also having to really stay up with all the changes that are happening. It seems like uh, young professionals have uh, have to work three times harder than um, as, as they move forward. It seems like one of the, the skills that you need to be successful is to always uh, ask questions and you know go ahead and learn from your mistakes, but be really conscious about staying on the uh, forward edge. I think you're right, Anna, that um, there's more effort now to be to make sure that that happens, I think companies are committed to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I was going to add that one of the things that through I that in my research on leadership that I found is that leaders don't view challenges or obstacles or things that don't go as well as they wanted to as failures. They view them as learning opportunities, and so. And they actually also understand that these challenges that you're talking about, Anna, and the constant change are just opportunities for growth. All of us face adversity in our lives and our careers. All of us face constant change in our lives and our careers. And it's very important to understand that, that no one is being singled out for these kinds of challenges in their life or career, that this is actually how life progresses. So that sort of brings us to how you handle, how do you handle uh, a mistake or those challenges? Sometimes, sometimes you'll see people um, when something like that happens, that they overreact, jump, 
you know, jump to conclusions, sort of fall into the um, ladder of inference where make judgments before you get all the facts, don't really see the value in, in learning from, from um, uh, whatever has happened. And, you know, I would say as a young person, you should, you should be aware of that. And, all, and if, if you see that your team or the leader or the manager is sort of falling into that mode that you quickly step back and say, let's get the facts before we jump to conclusions. And I think that brings us to this idea of um, how, it, how it even becomes more difficult when we're working virtually rather than just face-to-face. And you know, being able to establish trust and think clearly and act in an emotionally intelligent way is, um, again, real, it's a real challenge. And I didn't know if Jill, you or Jamie had comments about emotionally, emotional intelligence and, and uh, your own sort of experience. Uh, we've all had uh, moments on, on, uh, on any project where your heart stops because something has happened. Um, we had on one, one of my projects, an air, an air duct got cut and half of a building was uh, contaminated with asbestos. <laughs> so <laughs> there are always these moments in, in, that happen and it just takes a real uh, level head. I, I have found that working with people with level heads and can sort of step back and not uh, um, have a heart attack about everything. You can get through it faster. Anyway, I don't know what your experience have been. Well, I think a very important part, and people talk about this a lot, is an authentic leader, someone who um, comes to leadership, bringing their true self, understanding, as you said, their emotional intelligence and humility. And they provide pretty much a safe atmosphere for their employees to be able to bring their authentic selves to work. So what that means to me is that there needs to be uh, a freedom of expression of ideas, a culture that allows the individuals to say, hey, I have a good idea. Um, And then that is valued. And certain companies that is not, certain companies do that really well. The ones that succeed, I've seen do that really well because especially today, as we've been saying, that innovation is key. You know, Jill went on to speak about how innovation is so important more than ever. So as a successful corporation, business, you really do need to have leadership that's authentic and instill that value to your employees, that they can come to the table with great ideas, even if they're not, you know, typical, uh, you know, run-of-the-mill standard kind of good ideas. I'll tell you a short story. When I first started out in engineering, I did a a detailed connection design, structural connections and something with holding up the bridge with a beam and a column. And I went to my boss and I showed him my little sketch and my calculations. And he took the piece of paper and he turned it upside down, 90 degrees. He goes, Jamie, why are your details so unorthodox? And I thought that was actually a compliment. Oh, what a wonderful comment. I thought it was a compliment, but it really was supposed to be an insult. So I said, what's wrong with it? It it saves money. It saves time. It's actually safer for the worker to build this connection than the cookbook. See, this is the bad cookbook from the recipe where you just go to a cookbook and you pick that detail. (laughs) 
that's not the recipe for success we're talking here. We're talking about some engineers who unfortunately were trained to open up a library of details and select one. But when you work on very complicated structures, especially rehabilitation of long-span bridges, nothing is cookie cutter. So that cookbook is no good, right? So he should have embraced a detail, a design that was you know, unorthodox. So he sent me to the chief engineer and said, look, he has to approve this thing first. And luckily that chief engineer did and said, this is better by all ways you look at it. But, you know, this was a long time ago. However, I'm sure it still happens in the workplace where people who do proffer up ideas that are different are not always um, accepted. And so I suggest that if you are the kind of person who's creative, find an environment that would appreciate that. And, and I have a couple of comments. One is that, as I think everyone listening will find over the course of their career, they are always going to be working in teams. And it's very important to be able to figure out how to work effectively in teams. And that requires listening, that requires watching, that requires understanding and endeavoring to interpret how other people are reacting and feeling and not taking things personally. And I have a little story. I was with two of my colleagues. We were doing a financing of a very large project. So we were dealing with New York attorneys and bankers, and we were in the offices of a New York law firm. It was actually the evening that the Iraqi war started. So I'm dating myself, but that's how far back it goes. And someone called into the conference room where we were meeting and said, you need to turn on the radio. And we turned on the radio and it said the war had started. And see, it was radio, not TV. There was no TV in the conference room. And I'm watching the banker and he's putting all, he has colored pens. He has a different color pen for everything. And he's putting the caps on all of the pens. And I said to my two work colleagues, this meeting is over. And they said, well, how do you know this meeting is over? And I said, he's putting the caps on all of his pens. He's done. So understanding body language, watching people's facial expressions, understanding what's going on, and then encouraging them to be honest with you and to provide feedback so that you can work effectively in a team is actually really important. And then one of the other pieces about emotional intelligence, how, how can you enhance your emotional intelligence? Well, one of the ways is you can take courses, you can read books, but you can also find a mentor. You can find someone who you respect, whose leadership style you respect, and you can ask that individual if they will help you actually improve and enhance your skills so that you can become an even more effective leader. And even if you cannot um, find a mentor, which today you probably can, but if you cannot, it's always great to observe people you admire and maybe take the best qualities you see from all those individuals. It, it's nice when it's a formal mentorship, but if it's not, there's plenty of examples that you can say, oh, I really like that trait. 
uh, just the example of the leader I told you very early in my career who said, do the right thing, bite the bullet, just go and do the right thing. I took that from him, that integrity. And I took something from somebody else. And, and just all those things that you can see in front of you and, and people who are great collaborators, as you say, Jill, you can see how they work, how they integrate the perspectives of the entire team. And maybe they're the last to talk in a meeting because because they've heard everybody first. And I think that that just can go a long way. And and I also think there's something else that is important to be mentioned. And that is, regardless of where you are in your career, you have to do excellent work. You have to do your best work. And you have to do that all the time. And that's actually not even negotiable. It's an assumption. <laughs> yes, you're right. And and if you're not doing your very best work, and if you're not working hard, and if you're not putting your full capability of your brain into what you're doing, then it's going to be obvious to those people around you, and you're not going to get the respect and you're not going to get the opportunities that you want and potentially think you deserve because that is just the baseline. You, you cannot progress anywhere if you're not doing that. Jill, that's a great point. And a lot of times I advise people to either be a subject matter expert or be knowledgeable in a certain field or industry. This way you do have a seat at the table. Because I'm often asked, how do you get a seat at the table? Well, there are fundamentals that you just described, Jill. So Jill and Jamie, you're both reminding me of a philosophy from coach Joanne McCauley from Duke University, choice, not chance. She talked about building fierce competitors. I know that's basketball, but she she would explain to all, all of these uh, very young women that there's there's just a few key you know few things that you have to always keep important one is to dream big you know have big dreams and not to be afraid of them then to plan well which is a little bit of what uh, uh jill you were talking about and then work hard trust yourself and have some fun and so i think i do think that we have to show up in in our uh, workplace being confident in what we're doing um you know well well skilled and um, sort of step back every once in a while and, and try and put some fun into the into what you're doing. Um, otherwise, just I mean, you have to fuel the passion and, and it gets fueled by solving problems, innovation, but also all of your social engagements, but also just sometimes just uh, connecting and enjoying not being so serious. And I love I love the title of her book. I Dr. Shirley Jackson, who was the president of Rensselaer Polytech. Institute said at a New Jersey Inventors Hall of Fame event where she was speaking that she ensured that choice, not chance, determined her destiny. And so I've actually adopted that. I've written an article about it where you ensure that the choices that you make, not the way you look, the height you are, the color of your skin, your gender, not any of those things determine your destiny, but your choices. And so I love that she says, dream big, plan well, work hard, trust yourself, and have fun, because all of those are choices that people make. And, and you make a choice to be a leader sometimes, too. 
and you can decide not to be a leader, but many leaders are driven from a very young age to choose to be a leader. So any final thoughts, Jamie or Jill, on our, on our recipe? Well, I just want to emphasize this continue to learn because it is so important. And I'd like to emphasize, obviously, continue to learn all that good stuff, but also to empower innovation to be able in this day and age to excite people because you have to have fun at what you do if you're going to be working that hard or else it's just not going to work out. So if you're going to really dedicate yourself to something, it must be most of the time fun for you or else it's just not worth doing. And that passion comes from that and um, empowering this innovation so that we can meet the challenges of today and the future is so important. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today and providing your insights regarding key recipe ingredients for leadership success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode on recipe for leadership success. Sharing the wisdom and experience of our NAC members is our way of continuing to improve the industry. Get the Knack will be back with more content on leadership, project management, and many other design and construction executive insights. Please provide feedback on the session at getthenack at naocon.org. That's getthenack at naocon.org. Also, let us know of topics that may be of interest to our industry. Thank you for tuning in to Get the Knack, because the construction industry needs people like you, leaders and innovators, to build our future.